Good morning and welcome to our first premiere service online. We're so glad that you could join us. We are Open Church in Dola and we would encourage you as you're listening to the service, please feel free to comment and we'd love to hear from you. Today we are concluding on the series that we've done on the letter to the Philippian church that Paul wrote and um, Pastor Sylvester will be sharing with us on chapter 4. I want to encourage you to open your hearts and receive what God has for you today. But before we go into the message, we want to take some time to draw near to the Lord in worship. So let's draw close to Him together this morning as we worship.
Hi everyone. Good morning. Good morning from. All right. Let's start. Hi everyone. Good morning. Morning to everyone. It's been such a great time and a wonderful period we've been in uh, as a church, open church. We've been uh, taking a journey through the books, uh, the book of Philippians from the first chapter, second, third, and today we're winding up our chapter and our series in the fourth chapter as uh, we're looking at Paul also winding up in his letter to the church at Philippi and also speaking a great message in our time and to us today. You know, it's been such a great time. It's been such a great joy to take a journey uh, through this book. It's been quite a lot of wonderful things, a happy chapter, and there's been a lot of things and a lot of things to chew and focus on. And today, we are so glad that we are coming to the end of this series, uh, taking also a journey with Paul as he's winding up his message to the Philippians church and also a message to us in our time today. You know, I like the way how Paul begins. He says that, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way. So he begins to introduce them how to stand firm in the Lord and how to be full of joy in the way that is going to uh, introduce to them later on. And that's what I'm, I feel like. You know, sharing across to you as you are watching from the comfort of your homes and wherever you are. I, I want to uh, also speak to you in the same way that therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way. Today, as we uh, speak and we conclude or wind up on the message, there's so much that I'm looking at what Paul is, is talking to the book, uh, to the Philippians. And I just want to summarize it and bring the message to us about the call to unity. The call to unity. I see unity, a call to unity throughout this chapter and how Paul is calling the whole church to unity, to be one, to have the same mind. He uses terms like be of the same mind, have the same understanding have the same goal as that which was in Christ. You know, he, he touched it a little bit in chapter 2, and also in chapter 4, he's repeating himself about them having the same mind, and having the same attitude, and having the same goal, having the same focus. So I want us this morning to talk about the call to unity. Why would we talk about unity? We'll talk about unity, the fact that the world is so disunited. There's so much division in the world. There's division in the church. There's division in families. There's division in the nation. There are divisions in our communities. We see division at our working places and places of education. So the world has got this sickness that has been going on over the period of time. And it's division. You know, division comes to distract people from the goal. Division comes to be able to distract people off the course, off the goal. You know, Paul says, I am running forward. I'm running fast and my eyes are so focused to the goal post, to the end, to the running. You know, I want to run to be able to finish. So there's kind of being focused. You know what division come to bring? It comes to remove focus 
from the many goal. So I want us today to talk about unity, the call to unity. And I feel like the Lord is calling us to that call to unity. And let us pray before we go further. Heavenly Father, we thank you for an opportunity, even for us, Lord, to be able to sit at your table and be able to receive counsel, to receive advice from you. Lord, I pray that may we be one, may we be united, just as you, Father, you are one. We pray for the spirit of unity to fill families, to fill the church, to fill our lives, to fill uh, the nation. And we pray that we may be as one man, standing strong and never divided. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. So, there's this saying, I came across this saying yesterday. It says, two are better than one when they are united. And then the same statement also says, but also the opposite is true. Two are worse than one when they are divided. All right. It sounds so great. You know, there is power in unity. Two are better than one when they are divided, when they are united than when they are divided, right? So when two people come together, when a group of people are united, they are able to accomplish so much. But also the opposite is true. How about when two people are divided? They are worse than one. It's better to be alone and be focused than to be two or more people and you are divided. Because each one of you will go in different ways and you end up going nowhere. So we see the same thing in the book uh, of Philippians. In the letter of Paul to the Philippines, he says in chapter 4 verse 2 and verse 3, he says this. Paul begins by saying, I plead with you all dear. And he's, he's, he's talking to the, to the church at Philippi and saying, and saying, therefore I plead with you order and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. So Paul is bringing something to our attention. Something that was going on in the church at Philippi. And this was sort of internal conflict that was going on. You see why the call to unity. Then Paul says that, um, I, I, I plead with you order and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. To be of the same mind in the Lord. And he says, yes, and even you, my true companion, my yoke fellow, help these women since they are contended at my side. We've worked, we've labored together at my side. They don't need to live in division. They, they don't need to live in disunity, but they need to live in oneness and focus on the one picture. They have to be of the same mind. Now you have to understand when you go to chapter 2, Paul is introducing something very, very important here. He says, let, let us be of the same mind. Or he says, let the same mind as that which was in Christ Jesus be in you. Okay, then he says the same thing here. He repeats himself in chapter 4 to, tell, to say that let you order and syndicate be of the same mind. Focus on Christ Jesus because we have or they have something in common and that is Christ Jesus. 
the mission and the vision of the church. It's centered on Jesus Christ because he's the author and the finisher. He's the Lord of the church. Therefore, whatever is dividing you, he says that let them not focus on that, but let them be focused and have the same mind in the Lord Jesus Christ. I like it that Paul says in the Lord Jesus Christ because that guarantees or gives us freedom to have different mind, right? We think different. We have different opinions on different things. But where it comes in the Lord, he says, let us have the same mind in the Lord. Let us have the same focus in the Lord. It also alludes, it also brings out something that there was some kind of conflict. There was some kind of disunity. There was some kind of division going on. And that just comes to tell us that conflict is nothing new in the world. Not even in the church. Conflict has been there. The battle for unity has been the song for the church and the people of God over the uh, the period of time. You know, we see it from the beginning with our first parents, Adam and Eve. We see it in the first family where Cain and Abel would not be united. There was hatred. There was division. We see it in Jacob and Esau. We see it in the scripture. We see at some point even Paul and Barnabas having really major disagreement such that they could not even work together. So the enemy has been on an attack, on the attack, attacking the body of Christ and trying to cause division. And at the same time, God has been calling the church to unity. Because the enemy is busy planting the seed of disunity, the seed of division. God has been calling us to unity. God has been calling us to be united so that we can be able to achieve and accomplish what God has for us. Like I said in the beginning, two are better than one when they are united. But two are worse than one when they are divided. Like I said, the conflict or the challenge of of, of division has been with the church, has been with humanity since the beginning of time. And we see many people are mistaken nowadays with the notion of thinking, ah, the first church was far much better than the church today. If we can only go to the first century, uh, you know, purity and unity in the church. It's that kind of expression of a perfect church that was, you know, but if just a mere look or just a few view in the scripture, actually you begin to look at how much division there was in the church. In the first church, uh, the the book of Acts begin to bring about the division that was in the church such that the apostles had to bring like a a call to unity and and invited uh, seven deacons to become, to come together and be united and begin to sort out some of these issues in the church. So it has been the disunity and uh, and division and conflict have been there in the church from the beginning of the church. It's been there in the world from the beginning of the world but there is something so remarkable in the first church and this is though there was division the enemy kept on planting division the church of God they focused they prayed and they had their attention on the Holy Spirit to be able to unite them 
they were, they were so detailed to what the Spirit of God was saying. They did not do anything out of their self-ambitions. They did not do anything out of selfish ambition, but they focused on what was the mission of the church. They focused so much on what the Holy Spirit said and what God wanted them to accomplish. We see division, for example, in the church uh, at Corinth, where they fought over what to wear in worship. Can you imagine? <laughs> they were to fight about what can we wear when we are worshiping, and they could not be united. They also had division over the celebration of Holy Communion. You know, and we see some of their leaders had lacks in promiscuity and stuff like that. So there were divisions going on. We also see divisions in the church, uh, uh, in Ephesus church, the church of Ephesus where they had lost their first love. And God, Jesus had to come and rebuke them for their division and their loss of the first love. And we also see the church at Laodicea where they were lukewarm. They were divided. Others, they were pursuing righteousness and they were trying to accomplish the mission God had for them. And others, they had followed other teachings and they ended up being lukewarm. And Jesus warned them that I'll, I'll, I'll approach you, you know, I'll split, I'll split you because you are lukewarm. We see also the congregation in Thyatira where they had allowed idolatry to go unchecked and Jesus came in. So the church back then was as messed up as the church could be today. But what's the difference? The difference is this. With their, you know, attack on division and stuff like that, they came together. They had fellowship together. They prayed together. And they had to seek God together. And God would unite them, would unite their heart and would, would fill them and refresh them and give them the same mind in the Lord Jesus. And I pray that as a church today, we should be united. We should stand together and overcome every division that the enemy is trying to plant in the church today. Hallelujah. And this was the same in the church at Philippi. And this is true also today. And, the, you know, fortunately enough, God has given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us the gift of the Holy Spirit who can bring transformation and healing. He's also given us the body of Christ to hold us accountable, to be able to help us and unify us and bring us together to be one man. So this is what Paul is addressing also at the church in Philippi. He says, be of the same mind. Leaders, may you be able to help uh, these two women. It does not leave themselves to fight for themselves. Paul comes in with a father figure counsel and address the leadership at, at Philippi and say, may you the leadership, may you fellow workers come sit these two women together, Euodia and Syntyche, and let them have the same mind. Help them through this process of conflict. Help them through reconciliation. There may be conflict among us, but God is calling us to reconciliation. There may be division going on among us because the enemy is planting that. But I feel God is calling us to unity, to love and oneness. Division is not of God. God is not divided among himself. You know, we have got it three in one, united. God is not united and we're going to look through and listen. Jesus is calling the church to be one. He's praying for us to be one as God is one. 
Therefore, we have to stand strong. We have to stand firm and be able to overcome the temptations of division that the enemy is trying to plant in order to lose, to, uh, to make us lose focus from preaching the gospel, from extending and spreading the kingdom of God. So in chapter 4 verse 2, the apostle uh, Paul encouraged them to seek unity in the church. The key to his exhortation is found where he urged them to be of the same mind, to be of one mind. In chapter 4 verse 2, he says, be of one mind. Do not be divided. Do not embrace, you know, conflicts and confusion in you, but be of the same mind. Focus on the bigger picture that is Jesus Christ. In your relationship with one another, it says, have the same mind as Jesus Christ. In your relationship with other people, in your relationship with your fellow Christians, have the same mind as that which was in Jesus Christ. So, you know, he also goes on to be able to write, like, bring a beautiful hymn about, uh, the hymn about the unity and the self-sacrificial love that was in Jesus Christ, where he did not count himself as above everyone else, but, you know, he was God, yet he humbled himself. He humbled himself because, you know, he understands that God does not, there is no division in the spirit of God. The spirit of God is the spirit of unity, is the, is the spirit of oneness. And he says that the kingdom divided among themselves, among itself cannot stand. Therefore, a church divided among itself cannot stand. A family divided among itself cannot stand. A relationship where two or three of you are divided, you cannot stand. You give the enemy chance to, be, to come and divide and split and break you. We have to have, to have the same mind as that which was in Jesus Christ. Jesus was one with his father. He did his father's will. He was ready to sacrifice himself for others and invited the, the church to be one. And therefore, I love what Paul is saying. He's saying that there has to be unity in the church. The first focus with Paul here is the unity in the church. The call to unity in the church. He says, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy. He longs for us, like for the unity, so that is joy may be accomplished, even at the expense of his own crown. He says, my brothers and sisters, you whom I long for, for my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. In which way? Be united. You see, there is so much joy when people are united. Because we'll be able to accomplish a lot. And there will be peace and happiness when people are united. Just take a little bit walk or let me remind you of what happened in the Old Testament, the book of Genesis. Uh, that should be chapter 11, you know, at the, the Tower of Babel. You know what happened? <laughs> the people got united over a wrong thing. They said, let us build to ourselves a city. A tower that's going to reach in heaven and let us make a name to ourselves that the people of all the earth are going to see that there goes a nation or a people or a mighty men and women who are united. You know, you may think there was nothing wrong about that, but you know what? There was unity in a rebellion. 
They were united in rebelling against God's command of them going over the earth, spreading the kingdom, spreading all over and be able to, you know, take righteousness to all the corners of the earth and God's mission to all the corners of the earth. But there is here's one thing that God says. God says, if the people are one, if they speak one language, if they have one mindset, if they are, like Paul says, be of the same mind. So I hear God saying, if the people are of the same mind, whatever they want to do, they will do it. And there's nothing, no force that is able to distract them or to hinder them from accomplishing what they want to fulfill. Now, just think about that in the church. Suppose the church is united. There's unity in the church. How much can we accomplish for God? How much can we accomplish for the kingdom of God? Therefore, Paul is saying that may there be unity in the church. Be of the same mind as that which was in Jesus. Why do we embrace this unity? Why then do we embrace division? Don't you think that's the seed that is planted by the enemy? If we know how much we can accomplish as a family, why then do we lean towards division, being divided as a family? Don't you think the enemy doesn't want us to progress as a family? Why then is the nation divided? Isn't it because the enemy knows that when we are united under the same God, we are able to plunder and terrorize and destroy the kingdom of darkness? There is no force, no power that is able to disrupt us, to hinder us from accomplishing what you want to accomplish if we are united. If we are united. So I pray that we may embrace unity in the church. The leadership in the church. God is calling the leadership in the church of Christ to unity. A call to unity. When the head is united, the whole body follows. And therefore you, the church, I, Paul is saying, obey your fathers, you know, in, in, in Ephesians, he's saying, obey your parents in the Lord, right? Obey your parents in the Lord. Because this is a promise with the word, with the reward. So in the church, the whole church has to, to be one, be united, have the same vision. The leadership in the church be united and have the same focus, have the same vision. And you know, when we rise together, we are going to be as one vast army of the kingdom of God. And that's what the devil doesn't want. And therefore you see division in the church. You find brothers and sisters in the Lord are speaking bad against one another. They don't want to hold on, embrace reconciliation, forgiveness, love, you know, and unity. Because the enemy is busy planting that seed so that we do not stand strong and stand united. He wants us to be divided. But I pray that we are going to say no to the schemes of the enemy in the name of Jesus. Look, let me show you something. The book of Mark chapter 3, verse 24 up to verse 25. This is what Jesus says. He says, and if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. He, he goes on to say, and if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Wow. If the kingdom 
if the nation, if the country, if the nation of Zambia be divided among itself, that nation cannot stand. If a house be divided, if a spouse, a wife and a husband, they are divided against themselves, they are divided against themselves, they cannot be one as a couple. Do you know what we see? Divorce, right? If a family, father, mother, children and dependents in the house, they, each one of them, they do whatever they feel is good with them. There's no order. There's no unity. There's division. That house cannot stand. Those are not my words. That's what Jesus is saying in the book of Mark, chapter 3, verse 24 to 25. He also says that uh, not only that, now begin to think about the church. Also, the same is true. If the church of God is divided if there's no unity if we are divided amongst ourselves we are divided against ourselves we cannot stand so that's why we see division in the world because the enemy does not want to see people united under one god because we know one thing unity is of god division comes from the enemy do you want me to show you something John chapter 10, verse 10. Do you know what Jesus says? The thief comes to kill. He comes to steal. He comes to destroy. Right? But Jesus says, I have come so that you may be united. I have come so that you may have life. And have it in abundance. The enemy is busy dividing. is busy killing. is busy destroying. And it's so unfortunate that we give him space to be able to accomplish his mission. But I pray that today we are going to say no to the schemes of the enemy. We are going to stand and embrace on the unit of the spirit. We are going to embrace unity in God in the name of Jesus. And we are going to stand strong as a community. We are going to stand as one man, as one person, as a vast army. And accomplish that which God has for us. So this is also a call to unity in the nation. Every nation of this world, every country, if be united, the leadership is united. The people are one. They can accomplish so much. So there's also a call to unity in the family. You know, God is calling us. To stand firm, to be a firm family, to, to be a family that stands on a firm foundation. A family that stands on a firm foundation. In Psalms 127 and verse 1, here is what the Bible says. It says, except the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. We have as a family, we have to invite God to come and unite us. Whether be it a Christian family, whether be it a family as a house, we have to invite God to come and build us. Because if God is not building, then we labor in vain, those of us who are building. And all of us are building our lives. I want to, I want to let you know that if God is not building your life, your house, your life you will be built on the foundation of division. You have division among yourself. There will be disunity in yourself. You will not have one thought. You know, the enemy will come and try to plunder and divide you. But if God is building your life, it's going to stand. If God is building your family, there will be unity, there will be love, there will be joy, there will be peace because that's what comes, that's what God brings. 
You know what the Bible says? The Lord, the joy of the Lord makes one rich, makes one happy. It makes one strong and it adds no sorrow. You know what division brings? Division brings sorrow. Division breaks people's heart. It breaks God's heart. And God is calling you and me to be able to be a united force. To stand together and call upon the kingdom of heaven. To come and being able to bring, to bring peace and joy in this world. May we be united as a family. May we be united as a family. You may say that, oh, maybe that does not apply to me because I'm not married. I want to tell you, the enemy is not just destroying now. His mission is to keep on destroying and bring division until when Jesus comes back. Whatever you are building, the enemy wants to seek to destroy and bring division. Either in your career, either in your life, in your faith, in your family. You have to stand and say, God, I choose to be united. I choose to be a messenger of peace and unity. We are God's agents. We are God's ambassadors in this world to bring unity and peace. To bring unity and peace because where the spirit of God is, there is unity. There is no confusion. There is peace. Does that mean absence of conflict? No. Conflict may come. Things may come to try to bring us off of the love for one another. But you know what? We'll be focused on the spirit of God and he'll bring us together. We'll solve our challenges, our problems amicably. We'll solve our issues with love, with so much love. We'll correct one another with so much love. But you know when the spirit of God is not working... You know what the enemy begins to do? He begins to be able to exhort the me, I, and myself. And that begins to be like the author begin to breathe, to breathe about disunity and division. That's the Satan's goal. The enemy's goal is against health families because he knows that a health family builds a health community. A health family builds a health church. A united family builds about united nation. We build a united community. We build united. So the enemy is on the attack for the family. And God is calling us to unity. Fathers and mothers, may we be united. Brothers and sisters, be united. You know, if you read the Bible, the Bible actually says that in the last days, people will be so selfish. They'll be so self-centered. There will be division, mother against the, the daughter. The daughter also against the mother, father against the son, the son against the, you know, people will be so selfish, so self-centered. That's what the enemy will begin to do. And we can see all those things happening. And yet God also on the other side, he has given us the spirit of God. The spirit of God is a spirit of unity. It's a spirit of love. It's a passionate spirit. And it brings us together to one God. And he says, we are the light of the world. Hallelujah. So what do we need then to do in order for us to be able to build and embrace unity? I want to invite you to what Paul is inviting us in verse 10. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Verse 11, he says, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances I know what is to be in need, what it means to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, 
whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. You know, in the background, he's talking about who gives me the inner joy. You know, what we need to do in order to remain united, it starts with us being at the point, at the place, at the source of joy. You know why? Where there is joy, a person who is full of joy is not united, is not, I mean, is not divided. There's unity in joy. When you are full of joy, you want other people to be full of joy, to have, you know, joy is so contagious. You know, people that are happy, people that are full of joy, they are so contagious. Wherever they go, they change the atmosphere. They are so radical. The joy in them begin to replicate among the people that surrounds them. If we are to build unity in these last days, we are to build unity in this time when Corona is dividing the nations, when issues are dividing people, we are to be full of joy. And that joy, we find it in Jesus Christ. The other thing that I see that we can embrace in order for us to be able to be united is what Paul says in verse 10. Look at in verse 8. In chapter 4 verse 8, he says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Verse 9 says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the, the God of peace will be with you. You know what I see what Paul is calling us to? A focus on the bigger picture. He said that be focused on the bigger picture. He said it in verse 2 that be of the same mind, right? He's saying that the bigger picture here, he's saying whatever is True, whatever is noble, whatever is great of praiseworthy, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, do it. Be focused on this, the bigger picture. Let me ask you a question. Who is the bigger picture in your life? If Jesus is the bigger picture of your life, you are going to embrace purity. If Jesus is the bigger picture of your life, you are going to embrace love. If Jesus is the bigger picture of your life, you are going to embrace reconciliation. If Jesus is the bigger picture in your life, you are going to embrace unity. You are going to embrace peace because that's what Jesus brings. And that will give you joy. Paul says, embrace the bigger picture. There's this terminology that says we have to stop to major on the minor. And we have to stop also minoring on the major. We have, we have to major on the major and minor on the minor. That's what Paul is saying to you, Odia and Syntyche. Be of the same mind. You know, just from one thing, that's just from that one line. Actually, if we are of the like mind, of the same mind in the Lord, we are able to stand strong and accomplish so much. Whatever is pure, whatever is noble, praiseworthy, whatever is, you know, is of peace and whatever is lovely. Let us focus on this. Just imagine if all of us would put our focus on this. Can there be uh, a division in the church? Can there be division in the family? Can there be division in the nation? There will be no division. There will be unity and we'll be able to stand strong. 
Let us, let us embrace forgiveness, acceptance, love, kindness, and peace, and allow these things to reign in us. These are the bigger picture that Paul is calling us to. I pray that may the spirit of unity begin to reign in your house, begin to reign in your job, begin to reign in your marriage, begin to reign in your life, begin to reign in your family in the name of Jesus. And the last thing that we need to embrace is prayer. You know what? (laughs) Prayer is a unifying force. Prayer brings us together. He says in verse 4, the same book of uh, chapter 4, Verse 4 and 5, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Verse 5 says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. That's what Paul says. Now look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. What situation are you in? (laughs) It says, In every situation, by what? Prayer and petition. By prayer and intercession, by prayer and supplication. Through this, he says, with thanksgiving, because you know, you already have a joy, the joy of the Lord in your heart. You are focused on the bigger picture. Your heart will be full of thanksgiving. Your heart will rejoice. And as you pray, you are not praying from the point of grudge, from the point of you know hurt. He says that in prayer and, his, and, and thanksgiving, Present your request to God. Verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which transcends or which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, Paul concludes again by bringing about the mind. So it means that our heart and our mind are so cardinal when it comes to unity. Our hearts and our minds. If they are in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Paul says that prayer is so important. Prayer unites us together. You know, it talks about two things. It talks about prayer and petition or prayer and supplication. When we're talking about prayer, we are talking about our communication with God. And when we are talking about supplication, we are talking about us asking God on behalf of. So, Paul is calling us both to private or personal prayer with God. That's why he talks about in everything, everything in prayer, right? He talks about us standing strong in prayer, being united with God in prayer, letting God know our hearts and where we are at. And also he talks about supplication or petition. This is a prayer of intercession where we are united. It's a corporate prayer where we come together, not praying about me, not praying about myself, but praying for one another. Praying about the church, praying for the church, praying for the nation, praying for our families, praying for the people to be able to know the Lord and have the peace and the joy of God. That's what Paul is saying. Prayer is very important. We are inviting you, therefore, to unity in prayer. To unite our efforts together and our hearts and our mind together in the Lord and come together to God in prayer. That's why we've been doing our prayer uh, over Zoom, through Zoom. We've been praying Mondays and Fridays and Sundays. We've been coming together and pray and seek the face of the Lord. That is supplication, right? But Paul is also saying that on your own, offer prayer to God. Do not be anxious about anything. In every situation, come to the Lord with prayer, in prayer. 
Again, I'll ask you, what situation are you in? What challenges are you facing? Is there disunity in your family? Is there division in your life? Paul is calling us to come to God in prayer. Paul is calling us to have the same mind as that which was in Jesus. Paul is telling us to be united in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, and I like what the psalmist says in 133. says, behold how good and how pleasant it is for people to dwell together in unity. You know, you can dwell and you are not together. Do you know that? You know that you can dwell and not be together? You know that you can dwell and not be together. You can come, you know, together, but not being in unity. When you're talking about, uh, behold how good and how pleasant it is for people to dwell together. He's talking about the gathering of people who are united. Dwelling together in what? In unity. And he says that when they are united, God will command blessings. He says, God will command peace. God will allow his anointing to flow. If you want to see the work of God in our lives, we have to be united. If you want to see the move of God in the church, if you want to experience a revival in our time, we have to embrace the call to unity. If you want to see the church of God grow, if you want to see our families develop, if you want to see things change, if you want to see our nation standing together, we have to be united. We have to be united. We have to be united. And I pray that the spirit of unity, the spirit of God will come upon us and, and make us to be united. And stand strong and come against every division that the enemy is allowing us to plant. Every division in the church. You know, in Numbers chapter 11 verse 17, God is saying to Moses, I'm going to remove, I'm going to take part of the spirit that is on you. And I'm going to, you know, like spread it over 70 elders. Because it's not about one man. So God wants to raise a mighty army, a family, a kingdom. Together we can accomplish much. Alone you can only accomplish little. I pray that may we be united as a family. In Matthew chapter 6. And verse 9, Jesus concludes by, you know, introducing us to the prayer. On how we need to pray when it comes to prayer. Jesus says, when you are about to pray, when you begin to pray for others, when you begin to pray for yourself, when you stand together, you, you, you pray. He says, this is what you should say, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let your kingdom let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's unity. Let the will of God be done on earth the same way that it is in heaven. What is the will of God for you and me? Is that so that we may be one? Jesus prays in, in, in John 17. He says, Father, I pray that they may be one. I pray that they may stand, that they may be one. Just as we are one. He prayed in John chapter 17. Jesus prays five times. He prayed five times. The same prayer request. He says, make them one. Make them one. Make them one. Unity 
is a big deal with God. Make them one, Father. You know what happens? When we are united, we begin to reflect the picture of God on earth. We begin to reflect the kingdom of God. Father, make them one. That was Jesus' last prayer. Father, make them one. Because there is somebody that wants to divide them. Therefore, Father, make them one. There is someone who is coming to, to bring them apart, to separate them. But Father, make them one. I don't pray that you remove them from this earth. But I pray that you may make them one while they are still on earth. If your family is divided, you have to know there is someone who is, who is doing against the work of Jesus. Jesus is saying, Father, make that marriage one. Make that family one. Make that relationship one. Make that church one. Make that country one. The enemy is sending his angels also and say, go divide them. Go divide them. Go destroy them. Go scatter them. But Jesus is interceding in heaven and saying, Father, make them one. Consider the power in the team of horses pulling a plow. Consider the power in a train being put by three engines. Consider the power of prayer when two or more people agree together and they are united in the spirit of love. Consider the power that is in love when family members come together and help each other in time of need and destruction. Consider the power in it and how much life comes with it. Consider the power that's in strength to a family whose focus is on God. Consider the power that is in family in the church united and is seeking to expand the kingdom of God. Consider the power that is in Paul's statement when he says, May you order and syndicate be of the same mind in the Lord. Consider the power that will be there if in your church you are of the same mind. If in your family you are of the same mind in the Lord. If you can embrace unity in diversity. We're not talking about uniformity. We are talking about unity and diversity. You, may, you are graced and blessed with a different view and perception. But that's not a reason for division. You may be gifted in singing. You may be gifted in leadership. You may be gifted in administration. But you have to know that alone you cannot do it. We need one another. The power of we. What am I saying? There is power in unity. I want to pray with you. You may say, Pastor, you are speaking to me this morning. You are speaking. I feel that's me really. Even I can't just seem to agree with my mind. I can't just seem to agree in my house. I can't seem to agree in my family. There's no unity. There's no unity. Whatever I do, there's just so much confusion going on. I don't, we don't seem to agree maybe in our church we don't seem to agree maybe in our department in the same church maybe we don't seem to agree as leadership even as members maybe I don't seem to agree with anybody what can I do? I want to invite you to the Lord He will bring His Spirit He will pour His Spirit over you and you are going to see everything coming together it's God's desire that His people come together because that's what will happen that's what will happen at the end of the day. Jesus is going to come. 
The Bible says, with the saints, he will come down. And he will take his church to himself so that we may be one all glorious day. I look forward to that great day of unity, the united church of Christ. It, it can even happen now in your family today if the spirit of God comes over you. Just pray with me and say, Lord Jesus, come in my heart. I invite your spirit. To feel me. Help me to be united. Help me to be united with my friends, to be united in your church. Help me to bring unity in my family. Father, I receive your call today to unity. And I pray that may we be united as a family. May we be united as a church. May we be united as a nation. May we have the same mind as that which was in Jesus Christ. The mind of humility. The mind of love. The mind of unity. The same mind that was in Christ Jesus may be in us. Father Lord, I pray for that church. I pray for that house. I pray for the families. Oh Lord, listening to your word. I pray that may the spirit of unity... Feel us, O oh Lord. Make us one. Just as you are one. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for the service today. And we pray God's blessing over your new week as you go into it. May the Lord encourage you and strengthen you and be with you. We just want to remind you to like us on our Facebook page and subscribe to us on YouTube. And if you are interested in giving tithes and offerings um, or donations to the church, please, there's different options. You can take either mobile money or we do have a bank account. Or if you want to um, give cash as well, please get in touch with Joanna. His number is on the screen. If you would like to join our prayer team that is meeting three times a week on Zoom, you can meet from the comfort of your homes. We want to encourage you to get hold of Chioma and find out how you can be a part of that. And if you need prayer and counseling and encouragement, again, please get in touch with either myself or Pastor Sylvester. We're here to stand with you and encourage you if you need that. And we just want to also remind you that next Sunday is Pentecost. And we look forward to a super message that we'll be hearing on Sunday.